What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ingemach. I'm the curator and the host of this podcast. And I'm really excited to share this interview with you today. Uh, it's, again, going to be Larry Clark, uh, a man who I, uh, I admire very much. Uh, but it is with a heavy heart that I'm posting this one today because I just found out, I got a phone call about 15 minutes ago, uh, that told me that Larry, the guy who I interviewed to do this, to this, to do this interview, uh, has passed into heavenly glory. Uh, so he, he is no longer with us uh, here on earth, which makes this podcast even more exciting to share with you, um, but also, it's, like I said, it's with a heavy heart. Um, and uh, I, really, I really hope you enjoy the conversation I got to have with Larry. He's a man who, like I said earlier, he helped raise me. Uh, he's, he's a man that I loved, uh, and he meant quite a bit to me and to my family, um, and just about everyone, everybody that knew him loved him too. So um, I hope you get to enjoy this podcast. He's going to talk about his time on the police force, uh, where he had a very successful career, had a lot of fun, got in a little bit of trouble, um, and had a lot of stories to tell. He's also going to talk about his, the beginnings of his pistol shooting career, which was also quite successful. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit, talk a little bit about being a dad, <laughs> what it's like to be a police officer and a dad at the same time. So um, keep the Clark family in your prayers, uh, but uh, sit back, relax, and hear from Larry Clark talking about the police force. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. But it was a good job. I liked it. I made a good name for myself and uh, as a police officer. And uh, I got in trouble <laughs> one night for loading another officer's cigarette, uh, thinking that he had been called in to do a report. Mm -hmm. He had not. He was called in to take a new hire out on the street. <laughs> so on Friday night, they went over to the country kitchen to have a cup of coffee. Well, he lights a cigarette, and it explodes <laughs> in front of all of these people <laughs> eating fish. Well, the place just erupted in laughter, just, and he was so mad. He, uh, he eventually found out it was me, and I was duly reprimanded. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's not the only thing. Uh, so you talked about your, your brother was a sheriff's deputy, you said? Yes. Out in New York. So yep. um, what made... You said that had that had some bearing on, on you becoming a police officer, but what um, you want to break that down a little bit of why you decided that was the vocation for you? I just, I I really hadn't given it a thought much, but uh, I just the opening was there in the paper, and I thought, well, what's you know, what's the worst that can happen? I I don't get the job. I'll find something else to do. But uh, I got the job, and I had. Of course, I did get a suspension one day for uh, backing squad car into a gas pump. 
<laughs> that was that was a little embarrassing because the guy that owned the station was not real friendly to police officers. So. <laughs> So you backed it right. Of the, did you like take out the gas pump? Or? No, he he was without that gas pump for two days. Where <laughs> <laughs> so were you eating a donut or? <laughs> no, I got I had plenty of those. When I retired, seven donut shops went out of business. So. Uh, what was your favorite donut shop to go to? Oh, Mr. D's. Mr. D's. Mr. D's. You absolutely. I had one of the stories I like to tell is. Uh, I was working second shift at the time, and so I would go in just after they closed. Still some customers in there, but they were closed. And I would spread out on the counter, and I would start writing reports and have a cup of coffee. Well, the waitress there, I love to pick on her. Uh, One day I was sitting there, and my coffee cup was empty, so I took my spoon, and I did, you know... (laughs) And she turned around. She goes, what? And I said, my coffee cup is empty. Well, so? <laughs> uh, isn't it your job to fill it up? Well, are your legs broken? So I said, all right. And I got up, grabbed the coffee pot, and I walked around and I filled everybody's coffee cup. <laughs> Two elderly gentlemen sitting at the end of the counter looked at each other and they said, did you, uh, did you want more coffee? No. Did you? No. Why didn't you say something? See the size of the gun on that guy's hip? (laughs) 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 But uh, no, I frequently, frequently would stop at Mr. D's. And it was just a cup of coffee and donut and conversation. Yeah. Just just fun. Just meet the people. Is that a pretty quiet job in lacrosse? So that would have been like the 70s and 80s? It used to be. Uh, there were tense times, uh, you know, and I, I got kicked, hit, stabbed, cut uh, in the 30 years I was a police officer. I was even shot. But the embarrassing part about that was I was shot by another police officer. <laughs> it was a training accident, and a bullet ricocheted and, and hit me right in the chest. Uh, I was, as much as it hurt, I was wearing a bulletproof vest, and I was black and blue for quite a while. But uh, it's not, it certainly wasn't like it is now. I mean, this, yeah. the streets have just gotten mean, just mean. I, I'm not sure that I would do well now as a police really? officer. Yeah. What makes you say that? I, I don't deal with meanness real well. And, and I don't deal with disrespect. I mean, I have, I have, well, my pastors. I mean, if I, if I called your father Ed, mm-hmm. or if I called my doctor Jamie, mm-hmm. or if I called my favorite lawyer Ann, and my mother was around, I'd get a smack right on the back of the head. They didn't go to school for you to call them by their first name. That's, he's a pastor. You call him pastor. She's a lawyer. Uh, you'll call her lawyer, or count, I call him counselor, right? And uh, and he's a doctor. You'll call him doctor. Uh, that was the way I was. I was taught you respect people. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents aren't doing that anymore. There's a great deal of disrespect, and it it troubles me that that's going on. And and there's there's meanness. There's just meanness. It's okay to punch out a cop. 
where mm. and and it's getting to the point where you can't defend yourself anymore. It's just ugly. It's and it was when I retired it was getting that way where if I stopped a car the first thing I did was I unsnapped my gun. Uh and I unsnapped the uh covering to my pepper spray. And I would approach the car totally different than I did 30 years ago. What do you think what do you think causes that? Like, where is that coming from? <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at by half your audience, but I think it's, I think it's uh, liberalism. Uh, people are saying you don't need to respect authority and all of this. It's it just yeah. And the other thing I think about is the majority of these people that are doing this find out how often they go to church. Oh and, yeah. And I'll bet you, if it was possible, it'd be in the minus column. Yeah, they they don't go. They don't believe. I could when I had to deliver death messages. I could tell you, within thirty seconds from walking in the door, if they were a church family or not, because there was grieving. That's to be expected. But I would always ask the same question: Is there a member of the clergy that I can call for you to come over? The Christian families would say. Uh, we've already contacted our pastor, and he's on the way over. The the unbelievers, and this is pretty much a direct quote, uh, the unbelievers would say, no, nah, we don't believe in that crap. And their mourning was not a mourning of loss, but a mourning of just total, oh, though I'm struggling for a word, uh, just, oh, we... We're law. What do we do? Oh my God! They, oh, this couldn't be any worse. And the Christians are saying, you know, okay, we're going to miss him. We love him. He's in paradise with God now. Yeah. Uh, it it was two very different black and white scenarios. And I I honestly think with with people, with the world, drifting away from spirituality. I think this is a lot of our problems. And yeah. the disrespect for government. How often haven't you heard, well, Trump's not my president? Well, he is. You know, okay. Yeah. You didn't vote for him? Fine, but he's still the president. You know, I felt the people that I didn't vote for became president. And I didn't walk around saying, you yeah. know, that. He's, he's my commander in chief, he's my president. Did you see the video that came out recently? I think it's uh, Tucker is it Carlson on on Fox News. I did not. Uh, but so there's a woman he was interviewing who was lobbying for the word man to be banned. So we would no longer use the word man. So you couldn't say woman even. Like you couldn't say mailman. You couldn't say, you know, radio man. You couldn't. He had to completely remove the word man from everything. And his response, I loved this. His response was, well, I, uh, I, I'm offended by the words college professor because I find them to portray someone who is dumb and cannot use their brain, and I would like that word to be banned. <laughs> and she didn't disagree with him. She goes like, oh, well, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness gracious. All right, so, uh, what, so over 30 years, you talk about how it, it kind of got meaner as, as it went. What kept you on the force then? Love of the job. Love of the job. It was it was never the same. One night could be you could be up to your elbows and alligators, and the next night you could be driving up and down Losey Boulevard because you're bored out of your mind. 
Are there any nights you remember better than others? <laughs> there was, we had Oktoberfest in La Crosse, and La Crosse was just a four-day celebration of drunken revelry. <laughs> one night, this young man comes out of one of the Third Street saloons, and as he's walking, as he's walking north on Third Street, there's this very attractive co-ed walking south on Third Street. So as they're passing each other, he's he's still looking, and he walks right into a light pole. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> knocks himself cold. <laughs> and so I go over, and yeah, he's out cold. So we call an ambulance. <coughs> Take him out to the emergency room. Well, while he's in the emergency room, he starts to come to. And he's looking around and he goes, where am I? <laughs> and I said, you're in the emergency room. What happened? What do you remember? <laughs> he says, I remember this really good-looking co-ed. Yeah, you were watching her just before you walked into the light pole and knocked yourself out. <laughs> and then he expresses disappointment. And I said, what? And he says, that means I didn't get her phone number. <laughs> and I said, I hate to tell you this, but she was one of the people laughing at you because of this. <laughs> and he just, but there were, there were nights that, you know, were, were busy. Oh, heck, there were a couple of nights that I came the closest to, to having to, to shoot somebody, but thankfully it didn't happen. Um, fire calls happened a lot at night. I'd roll yeah. on them to help direct traffic. <laughs> Sometimes I'd stop at the fire station if they were up and have a cup of coffee with them. <laughs> but there was always somebody interesting to meet. Uh, sometimes interesting in not a good way. <laughs> uh, I worked traffic a lot. I liked working traffic. Are you one of those dancing traffic cops? No. <laughs> no. One night, I, one afternoon, I, I stopped a car for speeding on Main Street, and I asked for her driver's license, and she had 21 letters in her last name. Oh, wow. So, and she was being really good-natured because she knew she'd speeding. She was late for an appointment. Now this would give her an excuse to be late, you know, they, where they couldn't yell at her. Yeah. And so I said, do I... I have one question. <laughs> and she says, what's that? And I said, when you get married, are you going to hyphenate your last name? <laughs> and she looks at me and she says, I have one requirement in a husband right now. His last name has to be five letters or less. <laughs> and right now, Clark is looking really good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did she still get a ticket? Oh, yes. Yeah, because <laughs> she was whistling right along. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those speeds that I couldn't ignore. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but so if you look at the, the diamond, if you look at the dynamics in the United States right now, and there is quite a bit of um, support for uh, police officers, but there's also a lot of animosity toward police officers too. Yep. You, you want to talk to that a little bit? Well, you look at, you look at police officers. You know, they're there to do a job. They're there to protect, and uh, which involves being seen and very public and, and 
you know, issuing tickets or making arrests for, for wrongdoers. Well, the people that have the most frequent contact with police officers are, as you can guess, people walking yeah. the wrong side of the law. Uh, so there's the disrespect. Uh, parents, parents mostly will will express, you know, okay, they're doing a good job or something like that. But action speaks louder than words. These, these parents might at the dinner table be saying, you know, oh, well, we need a good police work and all of this. But at the same time, they might get into an argument with their spouse or their living or whatever right. and, and whale the snot out of her. Well, what? And then when the, the police show up and make the arrest, then it's the cops that are the bad ones. Right. You know, it, but yet, you know, daddy can't beat up mom and get away with it. And the thing that I always, I always told people, I said, the reason for the arrest is it gets them in the system. Now, oh, yeah. now they can go to court and now they can be avi- offered therapy and, and let's, let's get to the root of this problem and let's correct it. So the next time you get into a, an argument with your wife, you're not whaling on her. Yeah. You know, sometimes just it sometimes it's just best to walk out the door and cool off. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. So yeah, you th- so the foundation that police work is rehabilitation? Uh, t- mostly. Um uh, you know, I'm not gonna send anybody to rehabilitation for a traffic ticket. Right. Yeah. You know, the correction is the fact that okay, you've just lost three points and ninety dollars. Right, yeah. Oh, $90. I can't. I wish I was getting $90 tickets. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, any any before we finish up on, on this topic, anything else you, you want to say about the police force? Or? No. I, I look back to a great deal of pride with my career as a police officer. And one of the, one of the things is very early on, I, I hired on in 1968, and in 1970, they went and they... They said, hey, we need one more person to make a team at the state shoot in Fond du Lac. Come on, you're going to go. Well, I'd probably fired my gun a half a dozen times. There was no budget for supporting a a pistol team. So I went and I got some bullets and I practiced and I borrowed a gun and, and went to the team and I came, at the end of the day, I had come in so close to being last, it was embarrassing. (laughs) But uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and Marty, one Christmas, gave me a reloader for uh, for Christmas, so I started reloading my bullets, which saved, like, at the time, like 70% off buying them off the shelf. Yeah. And I, I practice, and I still do, because I, I just love doing it. I practice and practice, and then in 1979, I won the state shoot for the first time. Yeah. I had won some trophies, but I'd never won the shoot. Yeah. And uh, since then, I've won it 11 times. 11 times. Yeah. Do you have a, like a trophy case somewhere or something? Well, I have a lot of trophies, but they're scattered all over the house. <laughs> oh, so one night, uh, my daughter was a junior. Yeah. And she was going to go to the junior senior. Well, the, the guy that was going to take her, we, we knew. Yeah. And we, we, we liked him a lot. And as I was working someplace and I saw him and I'd always threatened to my daughter saying, <clears throat> you know, when this guy shows up to take you out, I'm going to take him downstairs 
and show him my trophies. <laughs> and she goes, no, Daddy, you wouldn't do that. And I, so I talked to him the day before he's going to go out. I said, hey, you want to have a little fun? Sure. <laughs> so he was in on it. He shows up, introduces, hi, how are you? And my daughter's being fashionably late. Yeah, of course. And I said, hey, come on downstairs. I got to show you something. And from the end of the hallway, I hear, Daddy, <laughs> no. <laughs> we had we laugh about that now, but that night she was not happy with me. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a it's <laughs> it's quite a collection. So uh, you have eleven. You won it eleven times. Won it eleven times. All right, is that like consecutively? Did you go for a run or anything? No, no. Or? Well, I had two runs of three, but other than that, it's just been one year at a time and and all that. And I I just love it. All right. Thanks again to Larry. Uh, make sure you're keeping his family and his prayers as they go through this time of mourning. Uh, but I, I'm excited. I can't wait to celebrate the life of a good man who meant so much to me um, and played such a big impact on my life and so many of my friends and relatives as well. So keep them in their, keep them in your prayers. Um, and you'll hear more from Larry before, before this podcast is up because still got a couple more episodes that you'll hear his voice. Um, Truly a joy to share this with you. Thank you for um, listening to the podcast. Make sure you're sharing it with friends. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.